great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 36. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm alright. Doing alright? I'm doing alright, too. I'm doing alright. This week we'll be reviewing Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. We'll also be highlighting some Amazon Blu-ray deals, making our weekly movie predictions, and finally going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start with you this week. What have you been watching? Uh, not much. I had a somewhat slow week. Slow week. Mostly because I'm a huge Orioles fan, and they made the playoffs. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Orioles baseball. So the movies got pushed to the back burner a little bit here. That's okay. It's, yeah, it's the first time in 15 years. So, but I'm gonna start off with the first one because I know you saw it this week as well, which is Dark Horse. By Todd Solondz, Dark Todd, Horse. Yes, this is not the Dagger Kari film, which is also called Dark Horse, which I want to see as well. For those of you that don't know Todd Solondz, he did Happiness, Welcome to the Dollhouse, Palindromes, Life During Wartime. That was his latest, other than Dark Horse. Indeed. Now we Storytelling. both... Storytelling. Yes. Which... Is essentially Selma Blair's character in Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. It's essentially her character from storytelling. Now, we're both Todd Solondz fan, you more so than me, but I always find it odd that I've never really like loved any of his movies, but yet anytime a Todd Solondz movie comes out, I have to see it. It's like Harmony Corinne for yeah. me, where it's like... Uh, I don't necessarily love everything that he does, but I have to see it. And, I mean, he's not, like, one of my favorite directors or anything, but I really loved Happiness and Welcome to the Dollhouse. Uh, Since then, I've kind of been progressively (laughs) liking his films less and less, but... Now, see, I I loved Life During Wartime. I I like... Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Dark Horse was meh. You old yeah. meh. I did yeah. like uh, Jordan Gilbert's character of Abe, who's this uh, <laughs> like middle-aged, entitled asshole. Mm-hmm. And he plays it really well. <laughs> yeah, you just you just don't like the guy. No, you never like him. He's just an asshole. I mean, there are like one or two scenes where he's he seems like an okay guy. And then he just flips on a dime and turns into that asshole again. That entitled prick that he is. You're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's right. I hate you. He's lazy. Yeah. Basically, he has everything handed to him on a silver platter. And yet he's still not happy with his life. Yeah. And he still thinks that he deserves everything. Right. Yeah. That's the big thing. (laughs) He deserves. He thinks he deserves better. Yeah. He's not even happy with what he has, which he didn't work for at all. But yeah, I the, thought, you know, there was a decent performances from everyone. I, Christopher Walken as Abe's dad. <laughs> just the icy stare that he would give him. <laughs> you, could, you could see the disappointment in his eyes. Yeah. So this movie 
maybe what halfway through to three quarters of the way through it does some interesting kind of uh almost fantasies or dreamlike sequences that that aren't really happening in reality what did you think of that um i thought it was okay i mean it's something that's let's face it it's a little bit played out and mm-hmm. old but i don't i did enjoy the one scene near the end when he's at the toys r us yeah and he said you know he has a receipt for his fiance he's like i want my fiance now and asif manvi's character comes out and just you know sort of tells him how it is i thought that that was a very poignant scene but i don't know to me it was just it was a meh i was i didn't i didn't i didn't hate it i mean i did enjoy myself while i was watching it but it's not really a movie that would you know run out and tell people like, "Oh, you have to see Dark Horse." Yeah, I, I was pretty disappointed with it. I thought that it started off really good, like the the first scene when he goes to Toys R Us, <laughs> and just that whole interaction. I, I was like, "Yes, this this movie is going to be great." But I didn't find it that funny either. I didn't find myself laughing at all. I just kind of hated the characters, and I and I felt like some of the characters that I did like, like the Christopher Walken character were underutilized. I didn't, yeah, I, I wanted more of them and less of Abe. Cause he was a douchebag and I didn't want to see him anymore. <laughs> but I thought the only other thing I would say is a really good performance. I thought from Donna Murphy, who played the Marie character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I thought she did a good job. And yes. I liked, you know, when they had like the little dream sequences, with her like, babe. Yeah, and she's like completely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked that. I thought that was okay. So I'm going to say it's a meh as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If someone were to tell me, like, I'm going to watch Dark Horse tonight, I would just say, oh, it was okay, maybe. Yeah. The other two that I saw really enjoyed. Uh, first one being Tokyo Story from 1953, the Ozu masterpiece. Mm hmm. This is, if you don't know Ozu, slow cinema. Slow (laughs) cinema. I mean, it's just pretty much life. Which is why I thought it was amazing. From 1953, uh, it's just a story about a husband and wife, you know, going to Japan or into Tokyo to uh, visit their children. And, and of course, the children meet them with pretty much indifference and they don't have time for their parents and they're just sort of seen as a nuisance, even though they took this long journey to visit with them and they just sort of get shuffled about through all the kids. You know, they had to stay with the one and then they move over and stay with the other. And they just deal with so many different emotions in such an easy, easy way that for 1953, it is still, I mean, I think it resonates with whatever time period. Like I watched this, you know, last week and I could still relate Mm -hmm. with certain things. And it's just one of those things that I don't, I don't think it really matters where you come from either. I think that any person could relate to this movie. 
Now this is just, this is on the Sight and Sound top fifty, right? Isn't mm-hmm. it? I think that now it's number three. Yeah, it was. I know it was. It's near the top. It was at one point number one, but it has since that, been re relegated. I think on the director one, it's it's higher. I don't know if it's number one, but and this is also on Criterion. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I would say that um, it's definitely a must-see. I mean, but I don't... Like you, I don't know if you would enjoy it that much. Hmm. I think you would appreciate it. I don't know if you would find it as enjoyable as I did. Might have to give it a watch and come back. There's not much... I mean, it's a very simple story. It's shot in a very simple way. There's not a lot of things that jump out at you like, oh my god, this is amazing. I think it is more just of the very simplistic way that he was able to show the like human emotions and how it can relate to anyone. But the other movie that I watched was uh, from you, your recommendation, which is a movie that I've sort of had interest in here and there, which is Brick mm. by Ryan Johnson. You director directed... Yes. Exactly. Director <laughs> Looper. So, and you said that this is one of your all-time favorite movies. It is, yeah. And I can see why, because I know that you're a big-time noir fan. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, at times, it was it was uh, somewhat comical, because the entire story is so preposterous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they're, they're in high school. It's, it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> yeah, which you know, I it is, it is. It's completely ridiculous. <laughs> and that, that's one of the things I loved about it, how it's this modern noir where it, it takes place now. It's modern times, but they the dialogue and how they speak is like something straight out of an old 40s film or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. The, yeah, the 50s fast-talking yeah, I was surprised that none of them like had their pants up real high. <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> short, wore fedoras. Short tie, yeah, short ties Suspenders. that only come yeah, that only come down to like your sternum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, it. and I mean, it had everything. You know, they had like the you know like every noir movie had the the nightclub singer. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was it was the, like the drama, the girl that was mm-hmm. in drama class, <laughs> and I just thought it was extremely well executed. I loved the music too. Mm-hmm. The music was great. Uh, the performances were fantastic, even though they were over the top, but they had to be that way. And I just I loved everything about it. Yeah, it's it's a great great movie I, I love it i actually think that it's ryan johnson's best movie i mean he's only had three so what but. is what is his other movie I brothers bloom oh yeah that's right did you see the brothers bloom i think i saw parts of it i don't know if i ever saw the whole thing i was never big on that uh, like it it's not like i didn't like it but it just wasn't to me it's not the same caliber as Brick. And I think when I saw Brothers Bloom, I was excited because of Brick. And when it wasn't that, I was like, oh. So I think I think maybe I need to re- rewatch Brothers Bloom at some point. 
Mm. Ricky Jay's in it. Oh, he's a narrator too? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love Ricky Jay. Yeah, I mean, I I think Brick, if you haven't seen Brick, please go out and, and see it. It's it's inc- it's just incredible. That It's a great mystery, too. You really have no idea what's going on in this movie. And like Looper, uh, Ryan Johnson doesn't insult the audience. He doesn't spell things out. He lets you figure it out. And yeah. you can you can definitely see shades of brick in Looper. Like especially like the slang terms that they use and stuff like that. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Very enjoyable. And especially when they did the the most ridiculous parts is when someone would punch someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With like the ridiculous noise and like the flash of light. Yep. I just love it. Love every highly, second of it. Highly recommend that. All right. Well, if that's all you got, that's I think, all I got. I think so that that's it. Um, I kicked the week off with a horror movie called Excision, and this is a really strange movie. It's got a really weird cast too. I mean, we're talking John Waters is a priest. Tracy Lords plays this. Uh, straight-laced, like, real super conservative mother. Um, Malcolm McDowell's in it. He plays a teacher. Ray Wise is in it. Very strange movie about this girl who is obsessed with surgery, and she wants to become this surgeon. And one of the big things in this movie, it's a very slow movie, slow burn, but throughout the movie she has these like crazy dreams that are these really stylized super saturated scenes where she's like doing these really weird surgeries and stuff and it's certainly not a movie for everyone but there it's done well and and I actually liked it mm. so it's sort of like I would I would compare it to a Dario Argento film, like sort of like an Italian horror film, or maybe uh, a Lucky McGee film, the guy who did May. Mm, okay, it, it's okay. sort of like that in a way. It's a coming of age story about this girl, but <laughs> it's very dark, and and it's it's darkly comedic too. There's a lot of comedy in it. And the dialogue is really well done. But I think the main point is here that John Waters plays a priest. Yeah, yeah. And he's not in it a lot. He's in it for like maybe two or three scenes, but it's enough. <laughs> it's, 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 still, it's still happened, and it's yeah. caught on film. Right. I, I pretty much want to... I see anything that John Waters is in. Like, uh, what was it? He was in bride or seed of chucky he was in one of those too uh then i saw end of watch the ryan gosling michael pena found footage cop film whoa whoa, whoa. did you say ryan gosling did i say ryan gosling you did i'm sorry jake gyllenhaal (laughs) 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 oh god what what is that all about it was all right it wasn't you didn't think it was amazing like everyone else no i didn't i didn't think it was amazing the thing that really bothered me was the found footage like that really 
And and I'm not I'm not a huge fan of found footage, but I'm not one of these haters of found footage. Yeah. I think that if it's done right, it can be you know, a pretty decent storytelling device. But in this, it was like it felt unnecessary. I th- the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, this would be such a better movie if it wasn't found footage. And there's movies like Chronicle, for instance, that I believe really benefit from the found footage style. But this, I think that they could have put in a lot of the found footage stuff. Like, for instance, the all the stuff that involves the cameras that are in the, in the squad cars. I think that that's really cool. A lot of the camera shots that they do where it's almost like a first-person point of view, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you see, like, the, the hand with the gun. I think that that stuff's really cool, and I feel like that they could have put that in there without deliberately, overtly telling us that this is a found footage movie. Like, throughout the movie, they're always having to justify the fact that they're filming this. Like, keep taping, keep taping, or why are you, why are you still taping this? You know, and, and there's there's a whole scene at the beginning of the movie where Jake Gyllenhaal is setting up the camera, and Michael Pena is asking him what he's doing, and then they have to he he describes the fact that he's taking this film class and stuff, and it's like they never it, it comes back several times where they're like, oh, don't you have enough stuff for your your film class yet or whatever, and it's just all it was just too much, and then on top of that. None of it really makes logical sense because the film cuts from them doing their their thing to the bad guys filming and do and then it switches to like a found footage. Oh jeez. Yeah, from like the bad guys when they're in the car. These are they taking the same film class? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, wait a minute, did somebody like gather up all this footage from all these different cameras and splice it, splice it all together? That's the movie I want to see. <laughs> the sequel about the guy that works like, you know, he's like a file clerk at the police station. And he was taking the class too. And he just happened upon this. And it's just yeah. a story of him editing everything together, <laughs> making yeah, a just, film. It was ridiculous. But there were a lot of things to like about it. The A lot of the camera work was kind of cool. The action scenes. Um, were some were good, some were horrible with the shaky cam. Yeah. Some of them you couldn't even tell what the hell was happening. And at one point it turns into the raid, which I didn't I didn't like that too much. That's about. That's gonna be around for a while now. I know. I know. Anytime you have a movie that has you know a little hook to it that other studios can exploit, yeah. But it's still it's still a good movie i think it's still worth watching just because a lot of it a lot of it is really cool and uh the end was sort of predictable but i would still recommend it i know that i'm pretty much just talking about the things i didn't like about it but there is there is some things to like good performances i always like michael peña Yeah, I'm a fan of Michael Pena as well. And Jake Gyllenhaal did fine in it as well. The only thing... It does have the girl from uh, Magic Mike 
and I really do not like her at all. But fortunately, she doesn't have too much in this. I can't remember her name, but she's oh, just I, a she's just a cardboard cutout. Uh, what is it like, Cootie Horn? Yeah, she's. Uh, I think her father yeah. is like the president of Warner Brothers or something. Her father is the chairman of Walt Disney Studios <laughs> and former president of Warner Brothers. Okay. So yeah, I knew, that makes I knew there was something about Warner Brothers in there. Yeah, that makes sense. But the for me, this is I am so sick and tired of cop movies. I don't mind it's like, cop movies. It's the movies. only reason I don't I don't want to see this at all. And I see that it's made by the same guy that did what he wrote Training Day. Yeah. yeah. See those those movies just they're so old to me. Well, the interesting thing that I that I found refreshing about this one is that they weren't corrupt cops. You know, it's like every movie oh, yeah. that comes out, they're always well, corrupt. Good. Yeah. And these were actually, you liked them. You liked Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. They were good guys. They, you know, were good to their wives and their girlfriends. And they were family men. And they were good by-the-book cops. They weren't assholes that, you know, abused their power. Which was nice because I feel like recently that's all we've been seeing in cop movies. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, so I would I would check it out. It's probably worth a rental for you, for you. I would say rent it. Just okay. give it a watch. Just give it a watch. Uh, and then I saw Nature Calls. I do not recommend this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Patton Oswalt Johnny Knoxville comedy. And if you've seen any movie like School of Rock, The Sitter. Maybe even Role Models, Bad News Bears, any of these types of movies where it's an unlikely guardian of these rambunctious children. It's the exact same plot. It's so predictable. It's boring. I just, I couldn't stand anything about this movie. And it, it reminded me of the, the movie Strange Wilderness that I know that Ryan and I have talked about on the show before. The Happy Madison movie with Steve Zahn. Mm-hmm. That mo- that movie is one of the worst comedies I've ever seen in my life. And it's worse than Nature Calls, but for different reasons. Like, Nature Calls is just a nothing of a film. Like, we <laughs> said, like, like I said in my review, and my review's up on the site so you can read it, it's, it's a manila folder. There's just nothing, <laughs> done nothing there. Oh. Every character is a stereotype or a generalization of... St- you know somebody or something someone whatever it's just it's not worth it and it's if you do want to see it it's on itunes you can rent it but i don't recommend that it's disappointing because i like tom roll and i was excited for this because i mean you got pat and truce o'neill which are like two of the funniest stand-up comedians and this guy's known for making weird movies like watermelon handshake and the the catechism cataclysm mm-hmm. but from what i read on your review and talking about you with it this just sounds like sort of the same thing as dave gordon green doing the sitter it's exactly where it does, the same it, it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't sound like todd Rowald did this for any studio yeah and, and it's got it like you said it has a good cast um the only character that I really liked was Daryl Hammond plays this park ranger who's 
so weird and bizarre. I wanted more of that in this in this movie. And in my review, I said that fans of a certain type of comedy, no matter who you are, what cut, what type of comedy you like, it's not in this movie. <laughs> like the jokes are so shallow and surface level that I don't think anybody's going to appreciate them. Well, that's unfortunate because this is Patrice O'Neill's final film, right? I believe it is, is, yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate that that's his send-off. Yeah, it is. Uh, So, skip that. And then, finally, on a whim, I don't know why, I watched a movie called Under the Boardwalk, The Monopoly Story. As the title suggests, this is a documentary about Monopoly. <laughs> oh, I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, it's, are you just getting ready for when they make it into a... Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's on the way, isn't it? Yeah, I think that... Yeah. They, they're they doing that. They're doing Monopoly, Hungry Hungry Hippos, and they, they just said this week, there's like another one that they got... I know. They're working on. I can't remember which... Well, I know that you're going to do the, what is it, like the British G.I. Joe? What's it? Oh, like? Action, Action Man? Man? Yeah, Action yeah. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Hasbro's, Hasbro's going full swing with this. Which um, is awesome because it gives us tons of stuff to give to Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. So this is just a pretty straightforward documentary. It goes over the history of Monopoly, which is actually quite interesting. That That part I liked to learn how... This game got, like, the inception of this game was pretty pretty cool. I didn't really know. And I'm not a huge Monopoly fan. I play it every now and then. But um, the other part of the movie actually goes over, it, it sort of profiles the people that are in the national and world championships of Monopoly. Oh, this is a, yeah. This is a real thing. And these people are hardcore <laughs> in this Monopoly business. And that was less interesting. I didn't really care about the whole competition championship thing. I was more interested about the story behind it, like where the tokens come from and how the, uh, what's her, what's his name? P- Moneybag or Penny, what's his name? The guy that, the Monopoly yeah. man. I thought that learning where all that stuff came from was cool. But... Rich all Uncle the, Penny Bags. Yeah, Penny Bags. All the championship stuff I could have done without. And it was narrated by Zachary Levi, who was Chuck on NBC's Chuck. Yes. <laughs> so if you're in a Monopoly, check it out. If you're not, it's probably not going to be that interesting. <laughs> uh, is it a lot like... It sounds like it's a lot like playing the game. Where you're all like jazzed up about it and you're starting out and you're playing and it's so much fun and then you know two and a half hours in you're like jesus does this game end well i found and then you out. just <laughs> fold it up and put it away well first of all i was not excited about this movie so that's a little bit different than the game but i also found out that if you play the game right if you play the game with people that know how to play the game the average Monopoly game should be an hour to an hour and a half. Bullshit. I've never the, had a Monopoly game <laughs> yeah. last that long. 
Yeah, they, they actually discussed that in the movie where, where some people are like, oh, it takes so long. But apparently if you play it right, you can bankrupt your opponents pretty quickly. Well, I don't, I don't care to learn how to play it. No, I mean, it's a fun... I, I always like Monopoly, but it, it's one of those games where it's, it's just like, oh, I'm bored. I don't have anything to do. I don't have yeah. anything else to do at yeah. all. <laughs> like, been, literally nothing. Monopoly. Yeah. That was more of a risk, man. And talk about enjoyed, long games. Holy shit. I enjoyed Risk. Risk is long, good. That was a I'm long a, game I could get behind. I like board games. I like uh, designer board games. I like games that are more for, you know, hardcore gamers. I always enjoyed uh, Trivial Pursuit. Oh, that yeah. Was a big, big thing in my family. Oh, yeah. And um, Scategories was huge. In my, Scategories in, is awesome. In my household. Scategories. I can't wait until that movie comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When's that kind of like 2016, probably? Probably. It's on its way. All right, that's all I saw, so let's jump into some Blu-ray deals. Do it. Uh, to get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net. Either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or simply click on the provided links in the show notes. First up, we have Seven Samurai Criterion Collection on sale for thirty-one ninety-nine. Now, this might, this might seem a little pricey, but it's on sale from like $50, so if you're working on a collection of criterion collection movies this might be the time to pick that up on blu-ray yeah and then we have alien anthology this this is all four alien films uh 29.99 on that one now i say this and and that seems like a good price and i'm actually going to look into picking that up but i got my copy of the robocop trilogy on blu-ray in and mm-hmm. it is probably one of the worst Blu-rays I've ever owned. Really? <laughs> it is, like, the transfers are, they're all over the place. The first one is horrible. The second one looks okay. The third one looks a little bit better. But zero special features. Zero commentary. There's nothing on these discs but the movie. Yeah, that's disappointing. And, and... When I got the the movie in the mail, the fucking case was broken. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, do you, do you remember that uh, RoboCop used to be on Criterion? Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I I rewatched. Uh, I've seen one and two this week, and uh, two is just not very good. But I still really enjoy the first one. Like I think if you haven't seen that in a long time, or if you've only seen that on TV. You need to watch it. And that, yeah, that's I think what, that's that is going to be something that I'm going to go back and uh, revisit because I haven't seen Robocop in a long time. I was watching it the first one with my girlfriend, and I was like, "This is such a weird movie. There's just nothing like this." And she was like, "Yeah, it is. It is kind of strange because it's such a ridiculous premise, but when you watch the movie, it is so violent. This movie, when it first came out, was rated X." Yeah, and it, they had to cut it to get it down to an R rating, and fortunately, the Blu-ray does have the uncut version. At least it has that. So, well, that's good. Yeah, so you get what you pay for with that RoboCop twenty dollars. Give me a break. 
I'd rather just wait for a special edition of the fir- just the first one and get that. Well, that'll come out. Remember, that'll come out after five other right editions It'll come probably- out before it. You know, you gotta you gotta go run through the, you know the gamut of Sapphire series, <laughs> Ruby series. There's um, with the new RoboCop coming out. I would imagine that they'll re-release the first one before the new one comes out. I'm pretty sure they'll do that. Uh, and then the only other deal that I have here is Killer Clowns from Outer Space Blu-ray for $7.99. One second. Press pause on the recording. I gotta buy that real quick. Yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Blu-ray. Is that Clowns with a K by any chance? Oh, yeah. Nice. This is a, this is a classic. I think Ryan was a big fan of this one. I know he had it on Blu-ray. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, DVD. It just came out on Blu-ray maybe like a month or two ago. And we're already down to the bargain bin. Nice. Which is a really good deal because Killer Clowns from Outer Space on VHS on Amazon is $6.99. Oh, there you go. A dollar more, you get it on Blu-ray. Get that high-def transfer. You know it. All right, let's talk about Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. This is starring the voices of Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short, Martin Landau. Uh, who's of oh, Charlie Tahan? Is that how you say it? Tahan. Uh, I think that's how you say it. He's uh, the yeah. voice of the main character, Victor Frankenstein. Um, this is actually based on a short film by Tim Burton that came out in 1984. Not sure. Did you see the original one? I did not see the original. I saw it years and years ago. Uh, I I remember it vaguely. I believe... um, Who was it? It was uh, Shelley Duvall, I think. And the kid from NeverEnding Story was Victor. Yes. And I think... um, Who was the father? The father was someone. It was Bruce Dern, I think. Let Let me fact check that. But I'm pretty sure... Oh, no. It was Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, Bruce Stern. Same difference. But anyway, (laughs) this is the new stop-motion animated film. What did you think of Frankenweenie, Kevin? I enjoyed it. Number one, I love stop-motion animation. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I love the black and white. Mm Mm-hmm. And the... The, the lighting in this was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of good uh, voice acting performances from everyone, especially, which I didn't know this, but the kid Atticus Schaefer, who played the Igor character, the mm-hmm. Edgar Gore, man, he did a really good job. I didn't <laughs> realize that it, that was the kid from, he's in that show, The Middle. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I, never, I, thought, I never watched that, but I've never seen it. Well, I've seen parts of it because I think it comes on before Modern Family, which is a show I watch. But man, I thought he did a really good job, and it was nice to see Martin Short working again. Yeah, he's been get, he's been doing stuff every now and then. Yeah, I enjoy Martin Short. I I do too. I thought it was it was good, and I mean, really, this is a return to form for. Tim Burton, in my opinion, you get yes, thank you get God, 
Catherine O'Hara, Martin Landau, Winona Ryder. I mean, these are all, you know, Burton alums. Yes. And this the story is very similar to a lot of his earlier works, and I I enjoyed it a lot. I and and on the show even I said I have no desire to see this movie. I didn't really want to go see it, but I knew I had to for the show. And I don't know, probably 10 minutes in, I was like, I love this. I'm loving this. And I guess after the, the credits were rolling, I didn't, I don't know if I walked away absolutely loving it. Like I did towards the beginning of the film, but I still think that it's probably Tim Burton's best movie since, Oh God. Ed Wood. Yeah, yeah, what was like? What is his last good movie? I liked Big yeah, Fish. I know you didn't like that. I thought Big Fish was okay. I liked Frank Weenie better than Big Fish, though. I think that. Yeah, to me, I guess it would be Big Fish. I still love Ed Wood. Ed Wood is still probably might not be my favorite Tim Burton film, but I think it's his best. Yes, that was very. That's a really good movie. Yeah, and it was it was a long time since I saw Ed Wood, and I I rewatched it maybe a year ago, and I was just like, this movie is just incredible, and I think it was nominated for several Oscars when it came Wouldn't out. Surprise, but which is where Martin Landau's from. Yeah, exactly. He played, did a fantastic job playing Bella Lugosi. Yeah, and he does a fantastic job of being the science teacher in this movie. Which, um, yeah, okay, Martin Landau did win Best Actor in a Supporting Role for playing Bella Lugosi. Yeah, so I, let me read the synopsis here for Frank and Weenie. Uh, young Victor conducts a science experiment to bring his beloved dog Sparky back to life, only to face unintended, sometimes monstrous consequences. Now, the short film that this is based on it was only like half an hour long and it didn't involve all the other craziness. It was just about the boy and his dog and that's it. And I really wasn't sure how this was going to translate into a feature film. And I think that it, they did a great job with it and being, you know, a huge horror fan, there was so much to appreciate from this movie. The, ridiculous amounts of references to classic horror in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they did a good job of that in um Paranorman, but they really up the ante. I mean, there's just very subtle things in this movie. Oh, like, I'm uh, sure you can find stuff everywhere because I mean, Tim Burton himself is a huge fan of all those films. So yeah. this is pretty much just like his homage Exactly. To the entire genre and all the people and everything, which I thought was great. And even like all the all the children are basically based off of some sort of famous horror classic horror film character. But as the the movie as a whole is in and of itself looks has the look and the feel of a classic horror movie. Even the plot is pretty much ripped exactly from Frankenstein, which is what you'd expect. Yeah. Which but. brings me 
I just I have to get this out of the way real quick because of what you said. I had, of course, a movie theater experience. Oh, here we go. Which is uh, probably a woman, middle-aged woman. She was there with her husband, and it seemed like her daughter and whatever. And, of course, she's talking almost all the time throughout the movie. And this is the first person I've ever seen that during the previews, after every single preview, she would go, do you guys want to see that? Mm. I don't want to see that. That doesn't look good to me. Which, no one fucking cares. But (laughs) there's a point, two things, that made this great. Is the first one, uh, as soon as things are starting to transpire, she goes, is this supposed to be like Frankenstein? (laughs) 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 Which, (laughs) facepalm number one. And the thing that came before that was, um, she goes, is this in 3D? Which, Mm. it was released in 3D, but where I saw it was not 3D. (laughs) Mostly, the main reason that you knew this is because they didn't give you fucking glasses (laughs) before you sat down to watch the film. Oh my god. Like, how do you not understand how 3D works? Like, do you have 3D glasses on? Do you? There's your answer. (laughs) Well, I knew you weren't going to see it in 3D, so I did see it in 3D. Which Uh, I wanted to ask, how was it in 3D? It was good. I saw it at the IMAX, and it was was really good. I was interested because of the whole black and white thing. And like you said, I mean, I kind of had an idea. Most black and white films really utilize light to their advantage, and... This movie does a really good job of that, and I thought that the 3D looked good. I mean, it wasn't... At this point in the game, you've pretty much seen everything in 3D that... You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's not going to... I feel like it's not going to get better. But yeah. did it enhance the movie? Maybe. Maybe it did. I don't know. It I looked great s- in the IMAX, though. I will say that. I have to say there was no parts of the movie where there was any you know sort of things done for shtick for the 3d shtick there was where I was you know where i was like oh that was for 3d there was uh there was like one scene that i can remember where something flew out at you but i can't i don't even remember what it was specifically but the movement of the characters looked so good the dog sparky was <laughs> I mean, it, it it looked like it was almost motion capture. It, the the movement and the mannerisms of the dog was was so good. It it was a feel good movie. It was sad. They didn't. I didn't feel like they dumbed it down too much for the kids, but it was still. I think it was accessible for both kids and adults. Oh yeah, definitely. I just think it was a solid movie and i love the look of any of the tim burton animated stuff i love the look of the characters i always find that they they look so unique and weird (laughs) and just that just that first scene when they show the the classroom and all the kids i was just like what i was like wow like I i can't even remember what was the girl's name with the huge eyes oh that had um, mr whiskers 
Because no, Mr. Whiskers made me laugh every single time he was on the screen. Yeah, I loved his. Uh, I loved the cat's mouth. How how they did how they animated yeah. the mouth and just. Oh man. Oh well, it looks like they just have here weird girl, which was Catherine O'Hara. Just says weird girl. <laughs> I th- I could have sworn she had a name, but I guess not. But uh, I loved all the kids. I thought all the kids were great. They looked. <laughs> they looked great, and I loved how they got in in the like the monsters. You got pretty much every classic movie monster mm-hmm. going in there. You know, you got the mummy, you got the creature from the Black Lagoon, you have Godzilla, all these references, and it just I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, you have the teacher. He's played by Martin Landau. I mean, he looks like Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. The one kid looks like Bella Lugosi. Yeah, they all they all looked like characters too. Yeah, and I mean uh, the neighbor, the niece, or whatever you know, her name's Elsa Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. You, you had everything. I was just I I enjoyed it. I don't know if it, I mean it. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, it didn't like blow my mind or anything. I just thought the animation was great. It was a very enjoyable movie to watch. And I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I think that even if you don't have kids to take to see this, I think that it's still worth going to see. And it's about a dog. So, there you go. I, I liked yeah, it just for it's that. A dog. It's a dog. It's an awesome, awesome dog. Yeah, I think that it didn't blow my mind either. I didn't, I didn't think that it was amazing, but... For what it set out to do, I think that it succeeded greatly. Yes. And I think in my letterbox review, I said maybe the trick is for Tim Burton to only make black and white films. Could be. He well, he always does a good job when he's doing his animation stuff, which um, is pretty much how he got his start. Yeah, but I I didn't I didn't really like Corpse Bride. I don't think I don't know. Did he direct that? I don't think he directed that. Uh, I think he did. I know everybody yeah. thinks that he directed uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't. No. But I think he he did do Corpse Bride. Pretty sure. Yeah, he did. Corpse he, Bride. I didn't like. I didn't. I did not like Corpse Bride, but I just want him to do good. I want him to make good movies. I want him to yeah. pull. I think what he needs to do is pull away from Disney first of all. Yeah, and I think he needs to do... I think the main thing, really, is just do his own ideas. Yeah. Because the last couple of times where he's really stumbled is when he's doing an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. And Alice in Wonderland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory were just two unbelievably unwatchable films for me. I just thought they were so terrible. And it's funny, because when you look at those adaptations compared with the original his original properties like Edward Scissorhands or Beetlejuice you're just it's like night and day mm-hmm. I mean exactly. Edward Scissorhands just think about that for a second it's a movie called Edward Scissorhands it's yeah. insane and it was I loved that movie I thought it was great but I, I mean he does do a great job of that whole sort of plot point where it's the kid, teenager, whatever it may be, that's 
a little bit off, a little bit weird. It doesn't really fit in, sort of a loner. Mm-hmm. And just them trying to deal with that, which I think is, is pretty much his story from what I've heard in his interviews and stuff, is that's how he grew up. Yeah, I mean, he's like the goth personified. Like, yeah. that's that's his whole style. And I still want to like Tim Burton just because of the movies that he has made in the past. So he had two films this year. I forgot he did Dark Shadows. (laughs) I completely forgot he did that. It's probably best that you keep on forgetting that. (laughs) Because it is not good, my friend. I figured it wasn't because it looked terrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up. The score. What did you think about the music? I thought the music was pretty good. I I um, re- I really enjoyed the music at the beginning. Uh, Danny Elfman, pretty much. Yeah, Danny Elfman always does a good job. I think he does for the most part, but I I find that with his later film, like his newer films that are coming out, it's I feel like maybe his sounds getting a little bit stale. Mm. But I really enjoyed the score in this movie i thought it was really good so uh final thoughts on frank and weenie um go see it yeah go go check it out that's what i would say i was very surprised like i said i had no interest went to see it walked away liking it a lot so i i have to say that even though uh last week on the show i talked about how i was excited to see it and really the only reason that I was excited to see it was because I didn't want to break the streak of going to the movies every weekend. So to me, it was like just good enough to get to go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it didn't disappoint. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Score out of 10. What are you giving it? Um, hmm. That's a good question. So everything I said, I'd probably give it a seven. Uh, it's a seven for me as well. There you go. There you go. Check out Frank and Weenie. It's a good flick. Let's uh, go over our predictions. So last week we said Taken Two. <laughs> oh man, Taken Two. You said twenty. I said fifty. Actual twenty. Yes. Yeah. Not hearing great things about Taken Two. No, you shouldn't. That's a stupid, stupid idea. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was going to be better. I didn't see it this weekend. Uh, then we said Frank and Weenie. You said 72. I said 65. Actual 85. Nope. Nice. And that, that did a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, it did. Then we have VHS. You said 68. I said 67. Actual 52. Okay. And the Paperboy. You said 74, I said 62, actual 39. <laughs> wow. Yeah, people are not liking the Paperboy, which is a shame, because I thought that it was going to be something good. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. I still want to check it out, maybe. Rent it, I don't know. Yeah, that that's what I would probably for me. Yeah. So I'll just wait and rent it at some point. I won't even jump to get the DVD. No. Just a little bit. Then we have Weathering Heights. You said 70. I said 67. Actual 79. 
For Wuthering yeah. Heights. Wuthering. Wuthering. W- Wuthering Heights. There you go. So that was a pretty good week for you. Damn right. It was like what? Two. I got two there. You got three. Let's go over what we got next week. Argo. Argo. Ben Affleck. What are you thinking? Argo. 90. 90? I'm going to say 92. Ooh. This is getting some Oscar buzz. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. That's definitely going to happen. Seven Psychopaths. I'm going to say 72 on Seven Psychopaths. Mm, I'm going to go 82. 82? All right. And then we have Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James. Oh, God. Why is this happening? What do you think on this? Uh, mm, I just wanted to act like it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's one of those things that if, maybe if we ignore it, it won't happen. I'm just going to be uh, glad when this whole MMA craze is over. Yeah, same here. Um, I'm going to say like a 30. 30? All right. I'm going to say 41. Mm. Uh, we also there's a couple that are coming out in limited release that I don't think we're going to review but the one that I wanted to mention was Smashed I'm pretty interested to see this this is one with uh, I don't have it in front of me but it's the what's his name it's Aaron Aaron Paul Aaron right? Paul yeah from Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad which I just got back into yes thank you I just started up again it's still ridiculous as fuck and just stick with it completely just, unbelievable just stick with it. And ridiculous. I do want to see Smash, though. It looks quite good. I do. I want to see this movie, too. For, uh, well, maybe not obvious reasons. But <laughs> for, for the listeners, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> for you, yes. So check that one out, too, if it's playing in your area. Let's go over our DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, October 9th, 2012. We have A Cat in Paris. Uh... This was, I really liked this. I think I reviewed this on the site and gave it like a 9 out of 10. Great Oscar-nominated Oscar animated film. Highly recommend that. Then we have The Giant Mechanical Man. This is the one with uh, Jenna Fisher. Yes. Uh, this one didn't appeal to me at all. So this is available on iTunes. You can rent this right now. Okay. Okay. Looks all right, I guess. Uh, then we have some big ones here. E.T. Anniversary Edition Blu-ray. This is the first time that E.T. is available on Blu-ray. Uh, I'm anxious to see to check this out just because um, assuming that they went through the same process as they did with Jaws. And that is probably one of the best Blu-rays I've ever owned. So I'm curious to check out E.T. Love E.T. You're an asshole if you don't. So... Pick that one up. Do enjoy me some E.T. It's great. It's just such a great film. Now, I don't know if the Blu-ray has the original version or the one that they... Remember uh, several years ago, they added some stuff into uh, it? Some CG stuff? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's which version or maybe they have both. I'm not sure. Uh, then we have Prometheus big one and the only reason shit 
I, the only reason I'm interested in this is because I've been reading a lot about the special features and deleted scenes and extended scenes and stuff. And I, I'm curious, I'm very curious to see what the Blu-ray holds for this movie. I'm, I, I'm also slightly curious, but at the same time, that was the main thing about Prometheus that pissed me off even more. Is how Ridley Scott and the the writer, you know, come out and did all these interviews explaining all like we had a scene with this and it explained it better and this and that and we cut it out and well, you guys are professionals. If you can't get your fucking point across in your damn movie, then I'm not interested. Yeah, Damon Lindelof was the writer and he did after that came out, there was a pretty big backlash against him, and he did a lot of backpedaling on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's the number one thing I don't... As an artist, you shouldn't have to come out and explain your work. And it seems like that's all he did after this movie came out, was just explain, explain, explain. And that just tells me that you're not that good of a story writer if you know, if you weren't able to convey that in your movie, that you have to come out and try and explain it. I think there's a lot of variables with Prometheus, though. When I when we did our interview with T.S. Nolan, I asked him about what he thought of Prometheus, and he said that he that there was another script that that came out originally, and he wanted to check into that script because apparently there's multiple scripts, multiple stories. And I think a lot of the stuff got left on the cutting room floor. So I don't know if it's the director is to blame for that movie. I don't know if the writer is, but somebody, something happened. (laughs) It's a collective of people that screwed up somewhere. I also think that it's uh, backpedaling to say like, questions will be answered on the blu-ray you know like well yeah exactly they should be in the film (laughs) yeah but also now they're saying that there is a deleted scene featuring guy pierce that actually links the prometheus universe with blade runner great so now they're saying that there's going to be even more tie-ins with blade runner he probably just fucking filmed that after people didn't (laughs) <laughs> Maybe lose yeah, their like, shit, and he was like, "Oh, smoke and mirrors! I'll tie it to Blade Runner." <laughs> Here we go. What's what's next? I, I hope that he ties it in with Robin Hood. <laughs> There's gonna be a deleted scene with Guy Pierce talking about his time in Sherwood Forest. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, please. Make so may, I don't know. Maybe check out Prometheus. I don't know. Uh, then we have the Raven. John Cusack. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel uh, like we already talked about this coming out on, I, D- on DVD. Maybe it came out on DVD way back, and now it's coming out on Blu-ray. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. Uh, I, I, for, I forgot that that existed. <laughs> after, after this recording, you're going to forget again. Trust me. <laughs> I hope. I really hope I do. Uh, then we have Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Get the hell out of here. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Oh, I have two. Okay. We have Shut Up and Play the Hits, which you saw just I recently did? about yeah. the LCD sound system. 
sort of curious about that one. And then another one that I actually posted about on the website, and I never got a chance to see it, which is a movie called Restless City. Uh, it's sort of about immigrants trying to make it in New York City. And I've really, really wanted to see this movie. And the trailer made it look absolutely amazing. And now it's finally coming out on DVD. So I will finally get to see it. Yeah, so maybe we'll talk about that next week. Yes. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Uh, for all the latest film news and reviews, vis- visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Or give us a call on our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that greatly. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie when we have him watch 102 Dalmatians. (laughs) That's in honor of seven psychopaths. Uh... Let me reset that. The <laughs> I saw end of watch. The I'm not even gonna bother correcting it. I'm just gonna leave it in. Anyway, yes. I don't know why I said Ryan Gosling. <laughs>